I can put maybe a challenge right there. And then we get the collective energy of the group to help get through that specific point. Or, you know, maybe that's when I do surprise phone calls. And then now I've rejuvenated the energy for the member and for myself because it goes both ways, right? When you have an engaged community, it feeds back into you as the course creator. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. In today's interview, I'm introducing you to Joanna Novello. Now, if you already know Joanna, you'll know that she's an entrepreneur who understands the power behind having an engaged community. If you don't know Joanna, you're going to learn about what she calls magic moments. She's going to talk to you about understanding the highs and lows of the transformation process. She's going to talk to you about the challenges around hiring a VA. And she's also going to share with you how to position your own expectations of engagement in your course community. As a community strategist, Joanna helps entrepreneurs create unique and engaging experiences. And I can attest to this as I've been a part of a few communities that Joanna has managed. She understands what it takes to transform fans into repeat customers by making audiences feel seen, heard, and taken care of. Joanna helps some of the biggest names on the internet create win-win situations where community members are thrilled and businesses thrive. I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Here we go. Hey, Joanna. It's so great to have you on Scale Your Course. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here, Tracy. Thank you. You're welcome. I have been admiring you in the online space for some time. You are working in and around all of the things in community for a variety of people that I follow. And sometimes I feel like I'm following you because I'll be like, there's Joanna. There she is again. She's over here. So take a couple minutes and just tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing in business and how you're helping with communities right now. Of course. So I am an online community strategist. And what that means is that when people want to set up a community anywhere online, I will help them to develop the framework and the strategy behind it. And that means that we want to create an engaging community for people so that way, whatever it is that you're selling or whatever experience you're promising, that this is the space that you create so that your members can get the desired outcome. I have been doing this for four years now. It started off as a complete accident. I had no idea that I was ever going to build a business out of this, but I started off as a virtual assistant and this was the first community that I was ever asked to manage was just to do some VA tasks in there. And that's actually where Tracy and I met. So Tracy knew me from day one of this four-year journey that I've now been on. And I was 
just engaging with people and engaging means like commenting on people's posts and just getting to know them. It was a very small, intimate group, so it was super easy to do that. But I actually, now that we're like we're totally removed from this group, like we're like years away from it, but I actually had no idea what I was doing inside of that group. And we were talking about Facebook ads and funnels. I was totally new to the online space. And I just started, because I didn't know what to do, I started sending gifts to people. And I started connecting with people that way and it slowly became a thing. And then one person from that group said, can you come and do the same thing in my group? And then someone from that group said, can you come do that in my group? And then pretty soon before I knew it, I had a business out of literally sending gifts. And as I learned how to connect with people and to get to know them, then some frameworks and strategies started to appear and I moved from managing communities to then helping to create strategies behind communities. And so that's what I do now is I help people to develop strategies and then train their team so that way they can help implement on it. Wow, I had no idea about your journey there, starting out particularly in the VA role. And I think it's a great thing, right? It just shows that how you enter the online space might not be the hat that you wear the whole time and that you can grow and develop your own expertise and niche. But this idea that starting out as a VA and then really honing your craft, like figuring out where your zone of genius is and then really micro niching that down. There's nothing wrong with being a VA, but certainly creating these positions for yourselves. I, I, it's just something that's come up in a few other conversations that I've had. So I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, it kind of feels like the sales associate role in the real world, right? Like in the offline world where it's an entry point and you get to see all the different options of what could be. But what's fun about the online space is you can just get so creative of like all the endless possibilities of what you could do. And I ended up creating my own role, which was interesting. But I love the fact that I started off as a VA because you get to learn the lay of the land. I was lucky enough to be working with someone who became my mentor and who introduced me to her network and was able to give me the chance to make mistakes and find out what I did or didn't like. So it was for me, the perfect place to start. That's great. I think the other thing that you said that really jumped out at me was right from the get-go, you talked about how you're helping people develop frameworks and strategies for their communities. And I just think that that's so important. As someone who has a background in education, understanding we set the stage for success, and part of that is the experience that people have within the classroom or the container itself. And in some cases, it's a Facebook group or another type of online community. But the idea that you need to be really intentional about it, and that's what I like about the words that you use, like framework and strategy, because it really means that there's intentional thought going behind it to make it really meaningful and to really help people have that full full experience with the learning. So I do appreciate that that you use that approach. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that you said in your bio was that you make 
experiences unique and engaging. So care to share a little bit about what you see as your secret sauce without giving away all of your secrets? Yeah. I mean, the, the fun thing is that I actually don't have secret sauce. I use the secret sauces of the clients that I work with. And it's fun because they're all unique. I mean, I think we forget that we really are unique. I think at this point, it just sounds like just generic, you know, like a life quote, right? Where like, you are unique. And it really is true, especially if you are in business, you have to put your unique spin on whatever it is that you're doing and you have to separate yourself from the pack. And in business terms, we call that differentiation. So everybody has something about their personality that makes them different slash unique. And I really tap into that because for a lot of my clients who have built audiences, there's something that attracted the audience to them. And why did they choose to follow this personal trainer versus all of the other personal trainers that are out there on the internet. And that always fascinates me. And so when I sit down with them and we start diving into what's their magic, what makes them unique, it always is very obvious. Like there's usually one or two things that when you uncover it, you're like, oh, that's why they're drawn to this one person. Once you have that, you just build around that um, because you want their community to experience that magic on a higher level because where they're at right now following you on social media, they're already getting a taste of it, but the community is where you really want to break that open. And especially if they're on the other side of a paywall, you want to really give them a full dose of that. So if you are looking to have a course or you have a course and you're looking to build a community around it, then what you want to start with, number one, is what makes me unique? Why, why would people listen if I got on a microphone? And you can start by looking at your social media following and asking yourself, and most people should, should know this, they should know their unique factor. But if you're like, I don't know, 20,000 people just started following me and I have no idea why, then I would find the common theme of, of what it is. And you can also put up a poll on your social media. Um, you do a story and ask them, like, why do you follow me? And sometimes you might also, because I have had clients do that, they might get back some answers that they had no idea. Um, maybe there was something in their personal life where they were talking about something personally and it had nothing to do with the business, but because they were able to connect with you on the personal level, they started following you as a business person. So my job is to really come in and dig that out of you and to help magnify that. I love that. I think when you were talking about this idea of like what makes you unique and, and most people would probably know that. I don't know that. I certainly don't have a huge following either, but I think it might be harder for someone to actually be able to identify that in themselves. So to have someone like you come in and perhaps ask questions or give them strategy like you just did, like ask your people, put up a poll, like really try to find out what is making you stand out 
from other people, I think that's, that's a really um, important step. And you did that too, right? When you were a VA and you came in and you really didn't know, like you've just disclosed, I really didn't know what I was doing at first. I just, I just went and I tried a few things and saw what was working. And you actually probably uncovered your own secret sauce there, your own uniqueness as part of that. And that's how you evolved into the role that you have. So I think it definitely is interesting too, because, you know, this idea of not wanting every community to be the same. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've traveled around the internet space with where I go in a group and then lo and behold, I go in another group and there's, you know, the same people and maybe not all the same people, obviously, but a lot of the places that I go, you go where the like-minded people are. And it's nice to have different experiences in different places. They don't all have to be the same. I don't want to make an assumption here, but do you ever feel that sometimes people think it should look a certain way and then they spend too much time trying to emulate or copy or imitate what's worked for other people and it fails miserably for them? I could say that I feel that way about 95% of the time when I'm in a Facebook group. I can tell when they have not discovered their own voice because usually if somebody is struggling with basic things, like I don't know what to say, then that tells me that they haven't found their voice yet. Because if you are passionate about something, even to the point where you're going to create a course around it, if you're able to pull five modules and 30 lessons out of yourself and then turn around and say that, you're not sure what you should be saying to people, then you're either not comfortable with your voice or you just haven't found it yet. And if that is you, then I would go back to the experimentation phase and just kind of see what works. Um, I also know that there are a lot of people that are out there selling templates that, you know, people feel comfortable with lists and that's fine if you need a starting point and if you need some sort of a blueprint where you're like, I'm completely stuck because moving the needle is better than being stuck. So I'm not 100% opposed to templates as far as getting it set up. But if 50 people have all bought the same templates, you can't expect for them to engage with your group if you haven't gone the extra mile to add your finesse on top of that and to let your voice be woven in and out of it to make it different. And if you scroll online, we know this from our own consumption. If you scroll online, you know in your head who sticks out in your feed and who doesn't. And the ones that stick out are the ones that are assertive in their opinions. They know what they're talking about. And if they don't know what they're talking about, they are confident enough to make it seem like they know what they're talking about, but there's a level of confidence behind there. And I can usually tell when someone doesn't have the confidence in a group and that they're just doing what they were told to do, especially the people who are part of a coaching program who were just told to go open up a Facebook group, whether or not it made sense for their business. You can tell that they're uncomfortable and that they haven't found their voice yet. So if this is you, because I'd like to be actionable here, if this is you, I would in your group, just put up 10 different posts of like talking points and then 
see how they perform and see what people respond to. And then just keep digging deeper and deeper into those, which is not just a group strategy, but an overall strategy in your business, you know, with advertising, with social media, you should always be testing to see what people will respond to. Because a lot of times what you think it is, is what it's not. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I'm going to have to take that tip from you myself. Um, I feel a lot of what you're saying resonates with me because I have a Facebook group. It's not a super active one. I want it to be active. I feel like when we were talking about sort of finding your unique voice, I think for me, one of the things that comes up for me is how am I different? And so it's the same as how am I unique, only it's been holding me back because it's like, I don't really know what I can contribute that hasn't already been contributed in my own unique way. So this whole conversation, while unintentional to be about me, (laughs) I am being (laughs) open and honest with everybody. I have a strong desire to be different and to be me, but be me and different in a way that I can sleep at night and be comfortable with and not have to like, you know, make my hair pink if I don't want to make my hair pink or, or put up really controversial posts if that's not really what makes me feel comfortable in the space that I'm in. So I'm learning a lot just from listening to you about that. I want to add something onto that because um, you brought it up. I, I want to reemphasize that it's about confidence. And if it, it doesn't matter like what you're putting out, if there's confidence behind it, then that's what people will latch onto. They don't actually latch on to the polarizing post, which is a very hot thing to do right now. You know, people think if they take a side and bring up a controversial issue, which there are a ton of them at the moment right now that you could just pluck and, and post on. But it's because even with that, it's like, I know you did that because you knew it was going to be a controversial thing and you were going to get the likes out of it. It just seems obvious. But when there's somebody else who takes that same topic and says it and there's a level of confidence and there's a meaning behind it. And I know that it was genuine and it came from them. It's a completely different scenario and it can have completely different outcomes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I think, I think we all have, a sense of, you know, what is authentic and what is sort of positioning. And Mm -hmm. I think you can position while being authentic, if that makes sense. But I think, yeah. So I think we're on the same page with that. That definitely is helpful. Thank you for clarifying that and adding that in because it's so important. So I'm wondering if we can talk about what you feel makes a good experience inside of a Facebook group. I know just prior to us uh, hitting record here, we were chatting a little bit. You have about five different things. Which tip would you like to start with? So I'd like to start with the material because I know with you, Tracy, we're, we're focusing a lot on, on teaching and, and the curriculum. So I think that's where we should start because it is the bread and it's the meat and the potatoes. So The first thing is having material that can be consumed and that can actually make an impact. So one of the courses that I have had friends just rant and rave about is how to make your own gifts. And I call me crazy, Tracy, but I think you put up a link about 
doing one of those courses? Hmm, I'm not sure. Honestly, I travel and I check out all kinds of things. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I get overwhelmed with the amount of information I'm trying to consume, but um, tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. So I had had several friends take this course about just creating gifts of yourself. And it was a, I mean, it probably took them two days to complete. And I mean, like from buying the course to actually creating the gifts. So there wasn't a lot of actual material for them to consume, but what they got on the other side of it was the ability to create these gifts. And then they actually had a library full of gifts and different types. So the impact of the curriculum is more important than how much you actually put in there. Cause I know a lot of course creators get caught up on the, I need five modules with five lessons in each one. The material that you choose needs to have more impact than it does actually the amount. So when you think about it, like think about yourself on the other side, where is it that you want them to be and actually reverse engineer back into that? Because I think that a lot of course creators think outline in their head first and they think this is all the information that they need instead of starting on the other side of what's the transformation that I want them to have here. And the transformation is actually, in my opinion, what should dictate the curriculum. So what is it that is absolutely essential in here to actually get you here? Because giving them more content is not the answer. In the example of this course with gifts, she gave a bare minimum of content. They opened it up, saw that it was super easy for them to complete. And then on the other side, just couldn't stop ranting and raving because they had this whole library of gifts to choose from. And if you reverse engineer, this will actually take the weight off of you for some parts, because I think people have this, um, they just want to like give these bonuses and bonuses and bonuses and like a lost module and a this and a that. And that's not necessarily what's important. It's what's important is what are the pieces of the puzzle that I need to give them to make the transformation happen. So that way when they step back, they can see the full picture and making the curriculum as easy as possible for them to consume. Um, if it's complicated, or if they feel like this is way more information and they're like, okay, well next month I'm going to pick up on this. You're actually delaying your results. And so remember that testimonials and results is a form of energy. I want to make sure for sure that we hit on energy here, but this is a form of energy that feeds back into your sales process. And so when people see all of these testimonials and you have social proof that then generates more sales for you. So it becomes this full circle thing. So I would start with thinking, where do I want them to be? And what is the easiest path for me to get there? And then if you feel like there's additional training that they need, then maybe you make that the next program, right? Um, I would play around with breaking these things up if, if needed. Because if they get in and they feel overwhelmed, 
or they feel stuck or they feel confused of where to go or how to get this done, you will never receive the transformation. If you don't receive the transformation, you don't receive a testimonial and then you don't receive a raving fan. There's a lot that you're sacrificing on the other side of that. Love it. I mean, from someone who with a background in instructional design, like you just said that so, so well, like the positioning of this idea that we need to know what the destination is. We need to plan backwards. We need to keep it simple. We want those quick wins. We don't want to delay gratification. And in the case of learning, it's not actually being able to take action on the things. Taking in information is only one step. The rest of it is really taking it and applying it and making it really actionable. So, I mean, what's really great about this conversation to me is as someone who's working within the communities and obviously you've probably taken a lot of courses. I mean, most of us have been a student at some time or another. I think while your background or your expertise is not necessarily in, in instructional design, you're applying instructional design principles to the work that you're helping other people do. So um, I think everybody needs someone on their team. And I talked about this in a previous episode with who was I talking to? I think it was Cassie, where we were just talking about the importance of having other people on your team that can help you um, map this journey out. And collectively, like really when you put your student first and you're able to create this really meaningful, intentionally planned journey, it can result in that transformation in a shorter period of time and sometimes with even bigger impact than you even imagined. So it's great that people have you on their team because you're talking all the right things from my perspective. Yeah. I, I even think that to go a layer deeper here on that, because you brought up some great points there too, Tracy, is that you are standing there as the expert and you're probably wanting to compile years and years of your expertise into a course. But you had to level up as a person as you learned each piece of that information. And you need to also figure out who does that person need to be to get to that point that I'm trying to get them at. Because if you're giving them PhD level stuff when they're a 101 student, as a course creator, sometimes it feels good because it's like, or even as a as a course creator that's selling it as part of their business, it feels good because I'm giving you value. But in some cases, you're actually not because you're highlighting parts of them that have not developed into that person yet. And so you have to be careful with how much information you're actually giving them. And I've seen, for one example, I had a client, he was about to hit a billion dollars in annual revenue. And he was mentoring people who were on the verge of hitting a million dollars. And the advice that he gave them was just not even near. He was just so far removed from when he had become a millionaire and it actually hit that moment that he couldn't even remember what that felt like or what was going on in his head at that time. And he actually wasn't making any progress with them because Yes, they're in the same industry and yes, he knows how to get them there, but the information was going way over their heads and nobody was actually making any progress. And so once we worked with him to say like, 
you know, they don't have five tax lawyers right now. They have one lawyer that they see once a year, you know, like we have to really bring this back. And so think about where were you when this transformation was happening and what were the questions that you had? I think that's another great exercise to do is when you're reverse engineering back from the transformation is what questions did I have at this stage? And then you can look at those questions and see like, are these advanced or are these not? What helps to actually move the needle? Love it. Love it. I, I know I've said that many times, but I can talk about this kind of stuff all the time. I kind of geek out on it. So when I say love it, I really do love We're it. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> that example that you gave was so real. It is easy to be removed and you have to be able to take that step back and remember what it was like when. And I really like the idea of the exercise too, of what were the questions you were asking when you were at that stage and just brain dumping them onto a piece of paper. And that can really be a stepping stone to really regaining that understanding. So it's great that this client of yours had someone to support him through that process. And that was you. So that, that's great. You had another point when we were talking earlier about enjoying the transformation too. So we've talked about getting the transformation and the consuming the material and, and how that can be a challenge if you have too much. What were you thinking about when you mentioned to me that enjoying the transformation is also another thing that makes a good experience? Yeah, so I'm also going to weave in my next point of highs and lows because I think they play together nicely um, because a transformation really is a collection of highs and lows. So at its most basic form, if we were to take weight loss as an example, you're going to have a range of emotions from the time that you start to actually being on the other side of that 20 pounds down. Let's say that's your goal. So you know that the road is not going to be easy, but you know it's going to be worth it. So you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But if you didn't have both of them, it wouldn't make the journey that much more fun, right? So when you're planning this out, you need to plan for highs and lows. There, there's no way around that. So if you acknowledge it now, you're already ahead of the game because thinking my customer is going to purchase this course. They're going to be excited. They're going to get all the information. They're going to turn into this person. And then they're going to write me a testimonial. It is not linear like that. They are extremely excited when they purchase your course. They get started with module one. And then most people might drop off right after module one. And if they're not doing it there, they might drop off after module two. This is the nature of a course. So when I'm planning out with my clients, we bring these sort of like industry norms to the table and we say, okay, we already know that there is a predictable path that people are going to take when it comes to buying courses. Because at this point, online courses are not new the way they were years ago and they weren't hot and they weren't like the thing, but like everybody just bought it. But now they know the rhythm of it. So they might buy it and just put it on the shelf for later, which I would discourage. We can go into that later, but I would try to discourage people from actually doing that. Um, I would think about 
something called the cycle of change. And if you're not familiar with that, then I would look it up on Google and look at what it actually takes for someone to go through a change. And you will see the, the best map that I ever saw was a loop. So you're going up and then you do this full loop where you like go up and then back down and then you're going up and then you loop again. It looks like a roller coaster, right? So you're going to have these moments where it just seems impossible. Like, what am I doing? And then you're going to step on the scale and you're going to see you lost two pounds. And then that isn't up for you, right? That's a high. Then you're going to go into a low because you're going to go into the weekend. Everybody gets scared of the weekends when they're on a diet. They're going to get pressured by their friends or there's going to be a Super Bowl party or a wedding or something. And they're going to have a moment of weakness. They're going to feel low. They're going to come back on Monday. They're going to feel back on top and committed. This is normal for every type of transformation that is out there. There will be highs and lows. The more that you can minimize the highs and the lows, you win. So if you can actually elevate the highs, and this is what I call magic moments, if you can make them, let's say they have a win, and then you elevate them and make them feel 30 times better, and then you say like, oh my God, you completed module one, you have no idea what you've just unlocked. You will now be able to X, Y, Z. Think about all that you've accomplished, and now they feel good about that, right? Rather than just a green check mark on the screen that I completed module one. These are magic moments. So you elevate the highs by using magic moments. Maybe they complete module one, and I give them a phone call, and I say, oh my God, Tracy, you completed module one. You have no idea how special that is. If I look forward to that call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also stuff that like nobody ever would have seen coming because this is also how you create raving fans is you do things that other people don't want to do. How many people will call you after you finish module one who wouldn't even think to do that. Right. But it's so simple and it's so basic. But if you did it, if you and I were sitting there having coffee, and we talked about that course, I would be like, do you know after I finished module one, Chuck should call me on the phone and say, congratulations. You would be sold. It's done. Sure. It's a done yeah. deal. Like, you're kidding me. I've never heard of that. Like, if that's what she did when you finished module one, imagine blah, 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 blah. So that's how you elevate the highs. I call those magic moments. Um, let me add another, let me add a magic moment onto this magic moment. If you've ever been to Disneyland, they are masters of this. There can be a parade, like a band that just comes out of nowhere, like on, out of the corner of your eye. And you're like, is that, a, is that Mary Poppins, like leading a band just, <laughs> that just walked by me? You're like, wow, that's crazy. On top of like everything else that you're getting there. But they love to just randomly surprise you. And you to not know what's going to happen, but you know something cool can always happen at any time, right? And this bleeds into engagement. This is where engagement comes from. Disneyland teaches you that you never know what's going to happen, but you know something's going to happen and you need to stay tuned. And that's how you can create this experience for your students of magic moments when they have their highs and then just also magic moments in general. But if they have lows, 
that you figure out how to get in front of that. And I call this catch up. So when I go to a restaurant and I order a burger and French fries, they should expect that I'm going to ask for ketchup. And if they don't have ketchup, it's a huge problem for me because it's like, but you knew that I ordered a burger and fries and you knew that I was going to ask for ketchup. Why would you not have it? And these are the small details that can actually ruin you. If, if you went to like Mel's diner, I'm trying to think of, or McDonald's. If you went to McDonald's and they didn't have ketchup, it would be an outrage because it's McDonald's, right? But then when you think about it, it's like, do you mean to tell me that ketchup could bring down an entire franchise? Yes, right? Exactly. And it's the small details that usually people overlook when it comes to community that they, they take for granted and they think, well, it doesn't really matter, right? Like it's, it's not that big of a deal because I have email sequences I have to worry about. I mean, trust me, I know how much you have to do with other areas of the business, but the community is where if you don't have ketchup on the table, when people order fries, they notice that it's gone. And let me put this into like just basic terms. If you promise me that you're going to upload a recording or a replay by Tuesday and it's now Friday, I have a right to be upset because I paid to be in this program. You made a promise and that was a detail because this happens so often and then people get upset, right? I'm still waiting on the replay. When is it going to get uploaded? You'll see people posting this in their group all the time. These are the small details. So that's, that's kind of separated out from um, expectations, right? You're going to have these expectations. And if you don't, it creates a low on your side. Then you're going to have a low on the other side for the student. So a low for them can be like, we were using the example earlier of the person that's on a diet and they have now gone into the weekend and they're headed to a Super Bowl party that they give in to their cravings and then they feel bad about it. So on the other side, you need to figure out how do I number one, beat them to make sure that they don't actually give into the cravings. And then number two, what support will I provide them if they do? Because your students will fail. They will have highs and lows because that's what part of a transformation is about. And when you're learning things, you don't always get it on the first try. You know, Michael Jordan didn't just show up and he knew how to shoot a free throw. He, he practiced and practiced and practiced and he didn't always get it right. And it will be the same thing with your students. This is something new to them. They haven't probably been exposed to it before. And so now they're, they're doing something completely different, possibly accessing parts of their brain that they weren't before. And they're going to stumble. They might fall. But if you, especially as an experienced course creator, if you run through this several times, you should have data on where they're dropping off at, what questions did they have that showed up in the group repeatedly so that we could go back and fix the curriculum and the content and make sure that we address that. Those are different types of lows on the journey. So you can minimize those lows by being ahead of them already knowing where they're going to fall at. Most people are their ideal student 
or, or avatar, then you already know the low points of the journey. And you can ask yourself at each one of those lows, what can I do to either prevent that from happening? Or if it does happen, what can I do to be on the other side to provide support for that? Choosing a platform to host your course or online program can be overwhelming. There's more choices than you have time to consider, and you're probably not really sure which platform to choose that will fit your needs not only just today, but in your business future. If this sounds like you, I'd like to introduce you to Member Vault. This platform is more than a home for your learning products, it can be a home for your entire business. Whether you're creating a new course or program or scaling your products so you can serve more efficiently and effectively, Member Vault is the tool for you. Learn more about Member Vault and find out how you can start with a free plan that includes all features and has no time limit. Visit bit.ly backslash this is Member Vault. Wow. I'm sitting here thinking just how much I'm even taking in, and I'm thinking about myself as a designer and I always plan for the stuck points or places where people are going to actually struggle and we want to one, prevent it as much as possible and then obviously have solutions for it. But I hadn't really articulated it in my own mind even as not just avoiding where they're going to get stuck, but creating, I think you called them magic moments, right? Where, where we're able to help balance out or eliminate some of the stuck points just by creating this atmosphere and in ways that they don't expect. So I'm not articulating myself nearly as well as you are, but I am just really starting to even think about how I need to layer some of this in into my own content. So I was thinking about this and maybe I'm simplifying it, but I was thinking about it like when you plan a party, right? It's not just about the food or like who's coming to the party. Like there's some basic things that you have to have, but a party stands out when something really cool happens that's unexpected or outside the ordinary. And so what do you do? You rave about that party for however long, right? For, especially for the next week after or, or longer, you're, yeah. you're raving about that party. So, you know, I think in a simplified form, I think that's what you're describing is, is really helping yourself stand out, but also recognizing that that takes a little bit of intentional thought and strategy to actually like implement that stuff. It does. Yeah. If I were throwing a party, I would want to be in front of people before they even ask me for things. If you go to a really good restaurant where they know what they're doing, they're going to point out the bathrooms as soon as they put you down at your table, because of course you're going to ask where the bathrooms are, right? So they're equipping you with the knowledge before you even ask it because they know that you're going to ask it. So it's the same concept that you want to use with your course is how do I get ahead of that? Because I already know that you're going to ask that. And even what you can do is create a magic moment during a low. So if I know that you have a low coming up on this point in your journey, I can put maybe a challenge right there. And then we get the collective energy of the group to help get through that specific point. Or um, you know, maybe that's when I do surprise phone calls 
And then now I've rejuvenated the energy for the member and for myself because it goes both ways, right? When you have an engaged community, it feeds back into you as the course creator because that's another that's the sub point here, but energy feeds each other. And this is why when people don't have engaged communities, I oftentimes think it's, it's because the person isn't receiving energy from that group. And so they're not giving it back mm. and it has to be a starting point for you. Right? So when people say, I want people to talk more in my group, I've come to find out they're not actually talking in their group. So why would people talk if you're not talking? Right. They'll mirror what you're doing. And if people say, I want this in my group, I want that in my group, I often find out that they're not giving it to receive it. And it then becomes like this fountain of like flowing energy where you're pumping it in and then they're giving it back to you. That totally makes sense. I was just thinking even in classrooms, because I teach in college classrooms as well, you set the tone in that classroom, right? So if you come in and you just put your briefcase down and you go straight to your PowerPoint or your technology and you turn it on and you're looking at the clock and you're just waiting for that big hand to land on the 12 so you can start the class and then you just dive right in to to the lecture or to the whatever's happening in the class, you've set a tone, right? Yeah. It's a serious place to be. You just come in, you're quiet, you sit down, you wait, you listen, and then you go home, right? I always like to try to kind of take in new information and sort of connect it back to things that, you know, are real to me. So that's what I'm taking away from, from what you're saying, you know? It is. Yeah, exactly. They're going to follow your lead. So a lot of times when I get on calls with people, there seems to be some sort of a burden of responsibility on the group members to deliver things. And it takes this realization of slowly shifting it back to them of like, where, where did you get the idea that it was their responsibility to talk inside of the group or to initiate conversations? Because this is your group. And I think people see people engaging in other groups. They just see people posting, they see people commenting, and then they disregard the fact of how much that group owner is putting in to make that happen. And they don't want to acknowledge that. They just see what end result they want. But I say like, okay, show me a group that you love. And then when we go to that group and I figure out why I can see, okay, that this group owner is posting every single day. They're engaging in the comments. They're doing X, Y, Z. Are you willing to do that? And then all of a sudden it becomes a, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, then the expectation shouldn't be that your group is going to look like that. Yeah, so true. And I think this is a real thing where people have these expectations and they don't really realize how much work it's, is involved in that. And so mm-hmm. – um, you know, just as sort of an offshoot of that, I'm just, it's, it leads me to thinking about teams. So to run a really good engaged group where you're having all of these magic moments and, and things, I don't know if anyone else is thinking about this, but I'm asking myself, like, how many people does it take to run a really good group where you're able to balance out all this energy? Some groups have 
you know, hundreds of students in them at any given time. I'm just wondering if you have any quick tips balancing all of that and all the things like you mentioned, like there's emails to write and all of that. Do you have any tips for people? I do. So um, before I hop into some like actionable tips for you to take, I just want people to know that I do offer a full template vault that has all of these resources. So if you have a team and you're like, I just want the templates and I want my team to, to go in and do that, I have templates for all of these. So that's an option for people if they want to do plug and play. Uh, for those who are more of the solopreneurs and they don't have um, you know the resources for a team and that's understandable what I would say is that the biggest thing you can do is actually set the expectations so if you don't have that much time to give just let people know the amount of time that you have to give in the group and that you're gonna show up in that group and it's fine and you don't have to feel guilty about that at all because you have communicated your expectations. And if you stayed in alignment with that, then they'll be happy. You'll be happy. I think the other thing too is that you don't always have to be the star of the show. There are, if you think of like TAs, there are people who have mastered it en enough to a point where they could step in and help you and they become sort of ambassadors. So they're not necessarily paid members of your team, but I know in every single group, people usually have a raving fan that they're either really passionate about you or they're really passionate about the subject matter, hopefully both. And they will just show up because it's a hobby for them and it's not work. It's just them showing up and being present. So I would lean into your community and allow them to step in and answer questions for each other and to help each other out. I would say the other thing too is to map out how much time you think you want to give to the group. And then, so this is kind of going back before the first point of setting the expectations is if you want to give an hour a day to doing a live or engaging in the comments, whatever it might be, then you reverse engineer from there as well. You say, I want to do one hour a day for the next six months. I would also, as a, as a side note of that one, make it clear of how long your time container is. Because if you, you really want to let people know when they should be showing up. So it's, not feasible for you to say this group is open forever <laughs> because there will be a period where people are very active and then the group could just die out because they don't know how long they should be engaging. So I always like to give time limits. This group is open for the next six months for you to get through the curriculum. After that, it's going to be archived. That gets people moving. That gets people engaged. It gets them active. And then you start getting the testimonials, the engagement, the whatever else comes out of it as a, as a byproduct. I, I think that the thing that people struggle with the most is they want to hire a VA to help them with their community, but they're not sure how to um, transfer the power because who is this person? I bought this course to get access to you. 
but it's all in how you position that person. So if you're bringing on an assistant to help you with this community, then you introduce them and tell them how you want them to engage with that person. For billing questions, if you have login questions, you will contact this person. Everything else, I'm still here for you. But bringing somebody in, you also want to allow them to develop trust in this person. So that way, they're going to stop tagging you and they'll start tagging this person because it's usually people are saying like, I get tagged for everything. So tell them, and even if you're able to do this before your community actually launches, the better, the, the more that you can train people when they first open, the less you have to go back and start cleaning and retraining, which ends up getting really hard to do because they develop their own habits and they show up however they want to, if you don't train them at the beginning. So if you can figure this out at the beginning and you can say, tag me for this, reach out to her for this. I will be in here this day, this day, this day. I will be in here this amount of time. Then it's very clear. You've set your boundaries. They know when to show up, how to show up. And then you end up having um, clear expectations. I see what goes wrong a lot of the times is that expectations weren't clear. Most of the time if we're having issues, that's what it is. And then the group owner feels like they're being taken advantage of. The group members feel like they've been taken advantage of because they were promised one thing and not delivered on. And this helps to clear all of that up. And once you focus, once you remove the focus of just expectations and even admin things like that, then they're able to focus on consuming the material and getting to the transformation. Because a lot of this stuff just ends up clouding up the process of getting to the transformation. Yeah, and I'd like to add, I think too, on the flip side to that, I mean, that certainly helps with the, the, the learner piece of it or the person who's participating to get what they need out of it. But when you have defined roles within your team, then there's no question about who's doing what. And so you can focus on your zone of genius. They're focused on their zone of genius. There's no question about, you know, did someone address this? There's that ease that can happen within the team when you feel like you're all working together and everybody knows their part, right? Yeah, exactly. So this has all been great. And I imagine, like you said earlier, we could talk and talk and talk because I want to continue to pick your brain. So I'll probably invite you to join us again at some point in time. When you talked about magic moments earlier, one of the things that I wanted to remind you of that stood out to me, and maybe I've never shared this with you, was your comment about creating your community like it's Disneyland. I mean, you've shared that in some of the trainings that I've attended that that you've put on. And and um, I think some of your references to, you know, to Mary Poppins and things like that whole experience of what's happening behind that door and, and really creating that sort of sense of curiosity and wonder, I think is yeah. what really attracted me to you in the first place. But before we sign off, if there's one more tip that you want to share, if there was one thing that you wish that you could say that you haven't had a chance to say, would you mind sharing that with us now? Yes, um, because we didn't get to dive into the energy piece of this. And I feel like it's the most important thing. So I guess it's a nice like bow to put on top of it. But all of this is energy. I mean, all of life matters, just energy, right? So we could zoom out all the way there. But 
when you look at your community, you have to be excited about this because like we already talked about, they mimic what they see. So if you're enthusiastic and you're excited, that's what they give back to you. And if you are very high energy, your community is going to be high energy. If you are low energy, your community is going to be low energy. And that is the first place that you want to start. Just be excited about it. If you're feeling weighed down by it, there's an energy and a vibe that you give off. I mean, even with the way sometimes people ask me questions about their group, you can tell in their energy and the way that they ask it that they feel weighed down and bogged down by this group. And if you're not having fun in your group, because this is, if you think about the, the fact that you've built this entire funnel for people to come and find you and to get to this transformation, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is it. Everything that you have done up until this point is to manifest this person who you're going to transform. And this is when they actually show up in person. And this is the, this is it. You've now met them. And this is where the transformation is going to happen. And that should be extremely exciting. Everybody should be jazzed about that. And if you're not showing up every day feeling energized by your community, then something is, is off there. And I would, I would try to figure out what it is. I'll give you a hint. It's usually time and expectations and boundaries. So if you feel like something is off, I would explore those two elements and just try and try and figure out if that's what it is and, and what is it that's really bothering you there. Because if you can create this high energy from social media that goes into the sales page that then goes into the community that then goes into the results and then back out as testimonials to the sales page. There's a complete flow of energy. And I think we've all experienced somebody like that. And, you know, it's just because they're able to make every part of that journey exciting. And it, it really is all about energy. That's what it comes down to. I'm so glad you took the opportunity to really like dive into that piece of it. And I'm sure we could do just a whole episode on that. I think it is for lack of not wanting to sound negative, that whole you reap what you sow kind of conversation exactly. where if you're not giving, you're not receiving, and you're not going to be open to receiving or recognizing it when it's there or feeling resentful towards it. And, you know, that isn't something that we had a chance to really talk about, about how some of those feelings can come up. But I really think you're onto something when you said your hint, which was about time, expectations, boundaries, all of those things, I think are definitely things that resonated with me whether I'm running a online learning community or I'm in the classroom, you know, how I set that tone really makes a huge difference right from the get-go, from the beginning of the semester or in the case of online programs, like from the very beginning of onboarding, you, you really need to, to be emulating what it is you are wanting back. And I think you've given us some great tips there on how to nail down what's getting in our the way of our success. So thank you for that. Before we wrap up, can you just let us know where people can find you, what types of services you're currently offering that people might be interested in? You mentioned your templates earlier, so that's really exciting, but feel free to let us know where the best places are to find you online. So the best 
to find me is on Facebook. You can find me on my business page, which is at experience and magic. And the and part is spelled out. Andy, I have a Facebook group called the magic of community. And we break these topics up inside there and we talk about it in there as well. I'm also on Instagram at experience and magic. Um, and same thing for the website experience and So that's where I am online. What I do for clients is I do two things. I will either come in and set up a strategy for them and then train their team on how to execute that strategy. And I also sell templates. So I know that a lot of people have team members that they just need to pass the baton off and they just needed a framework for how to do that. So I have templates that walk them through from the beginning all the way from creating the vision of your community down to the end of setting your um, KPIs, your key performance indicators, and measuring the success of your group on a monthly basis. And um, I hang out in Facebook groups a lot. That's usually where I am. I'm either managing a couple online there or I'm just hanging out over there. That's awesome. I think I might even be checking out some of those templates just to kind of see what you got going on there. I am in your Magical Moments Facebook group, I believe. And I say I believe because as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's like I really need to spend more time in there. And admittedly, it is always about not having enough hours in the day, right? So I definitely going to make a commitment to making that a priority space for me to hang out with you in, in the next little while and invite other people to join. So I'm going to just put all of the links that you mentioned and others that you've shared with me in the show notes below so people know where to find you. So thanks so much, Joanna. I love this conversation and I anticipate we're going to have others in the future. So thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you, Tracy. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.